Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What's his purpose? For whom he foreknew, because he knows the end from the beginning, he also predestined, because he knows the end from the beginning, to, here's the purpose, conform to the image of his son. Stop right there. That's the purpose. To which God works all things together for the good. Because ultimately, in the end, it fulfills and serves and is according to His purpose. This is In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. If you've chosen to trust Jesus as your Savior, be thankful that God has called you and brought you into His family. Pastor J.D. explains today that God is using the difficult times in our lives to make us more like Jesus, because that's His ultimate purpose for us. As you become more like Jesus, seek out others who need Him as their Savior. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 1 with part 2 of his message, God Really Likes Me. If I'm predestined, that means that it's already been decided. So really, I have nothing to do with it. It's almost as if, if God has predestined me to be saved, I'm getting saved whether I like it or not. Am I right? Is that not what predestination in that context suggests? You're predestined. You're amongst the elect. Wait a minute. Wait, stop, stop. You can't say that. Because if you say that, then you have to alter the entirety of the pages of Holy Writ, starting with that most famous and well-known verse in John 3.16. And instead, it should have said, For God so loved the world, that whosoever is amongst the elect predestined that would believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This is another one of those things where the enemy will do something right now by way of a distraction because he doesn't want you to grasp the truth that is before us this morning. So please don't let your mind wander. I'll do my best on my part by the Holy Spirit to be as clear and concise and simple as I possibly can. Let me share with you what one commentator wrote, I think it's perfect. This is the answer to, one answer to the question of how can we still have the free will to choose if it's already been predetermined, if we're already predestined? Listen, it's as if when a person decides to choose the Lord, he walks through a door over which is written the words, Whosoever will, let him come. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Yet, the moment he walks through the door, he looks back and sees the words, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John fifteen sixteen. 
Does that help? Some of you are going, are you kidding me? That's... <laughs> I still don't understand how you can bring that together. I still don't know how I choose if it's already been predetermined, if I've already been predestined. Well, here's the thing. God chooses you after. I love what D.L. Moody humorously said. He said, I'm so glad God chose me before I was born because I don't think he would have chosen me after I have lived. (laughs) I think we can all say amen to that. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. He predestined us. Remember now, important, God knows the end from the beginning. God exists outside of time. He dwells in eternity. He sees the beginning from the end. He sees you before you were born. He sees your life from front to finish before you even had life. Because he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows, think about this, he knows the choices you will make in your life before you make those choices in your life. So that comports with this issue of predestination. However, I think I would be grossly remiss if I didn't try to explain, especially when it comes to what's known today as Calvinism, five-point Calvinism. I won't in the interest of time, go into the specifics of it. But let me at least explain what Calvinism and, on the opposite side of the table, Arminianism is, starting with Calvinism. Calvinism is the belief that you can't be saved unless God has predestined you to be saved. That's just a a real summary judgment, if you will, of Calvinism. Now, there's also Arminianism. Now, What Arminianism is, is the belief that it's man's free will when it comes to salvation, but they believe that one can potentially lose their salvation as well. So you almost have these two opposite ends of the spectrum with Calvinism on one side and Arminianism on the other. I am keenly aware that the way I'm going to say this might seem blunt, but I need to summarily state that both Calvinism and Arminianism are not scriptural. They cannot be. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. There are some uh, well-respected Bible scholars, if you want to call them that, and pastors of very large churches who believe in uh, Calvinism and the five points of what some call hardcore Calvinism. What are you saying? Oh, we'll see him in heaven. And I say this in love. <laughs> it's kind of like those who take issue with the pre-tribulation rapture. Okay. Notice I never call it a theory, the pre-tribulation rapture theory. It is not a theory. It is a biblical truth. And it is a biblical fact. Now, there are those brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree. 
some of whom believe the rapture happens in the middle of the tribulation, before the wrath of God, the sixth seal. Some believe in the post-tribulation rapture, which that one's um, hard for me to get my mind around. And some don't even believe in a rapture at all. Now, Jesus didn't say, unless you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus did say in John's Gospel, chapter 3, as it's recorded, is, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So our belief in a pre-tribulation rapture is not a salvation issue. However, I think it is incumbent upon me to clear up this matter as it relates to Calvinism. I want to recommend what I believe is, bar none, the best book that was ever written refuting Calvinism, and it's by the late Dave Hunt of the Berean Call. It's titled, interestingly, What Love Is This? I actually had the privilege of uh, spending the better part of a weekend with Dave Hunt before he went home to be with the Lord uh, when I was in North Idaho. I had him speak. We rented out North Idaho College, and it was at the time that he was actually writing the first edition of this book. And we had some very interesting and fascinating uh, dialogue concerning it. And then once it was released, he told me later, he said, I had no idea the vitriol that I would uh, be on the receiving end of and the attacks from many in the body of Christ that, I mean, resorted to, and this is always a telltale sign that you've already lost the argument, is when you start (laughs) name-calling. And I mean, they called him every name in the book. And so what did Dave do? Well, he came out with a second edition (laughs) and refuted all of those who were bringing up their arguments, which were to no avail. But if you're interested in knowing more about this, I would really encourage you. It's subtitled, Calvinism's Misrepresentation of God. And it is a misrepresentation of God, because what God is this? I mean, how, how cruel is this? You mean to tell me that this is a God of love who loves me, and you're telling me, Pastor, that he really likes me, yet there's a potential for me to have been born and predestined for hell? Well, think about that. You cannot argue that Calvinism is scriptural without trying to insert that unscriptural falsehood. And that is, to me, the biggest problem with Calvinism. I want to share with you, very simply, the main problem with the belief that only those who are predestined to be saved can be saved. Hang on to the blessings. I want to come back to the blessings here in a moment. But here is the main problem with Calvinism. Calvinism presupposes that God also predestines those who are to be eternally damned. You can't say God has predestined you for salvation without also saying that God hasn't predestined you as well for 
eternity in hell. You can't just have it that way without it also being the other way. If I'm predestined to heaven, then that means I'm also predestined to hell. And that, my friend, is patently and demonstrably false. It is inconsistent with the character and the nature of a loving God. It's not that God has love. God is love. That's who He is. And if He is a God of love, and He is, there is no way that He would ever, in that love, because of love, predestine somebody to an eternity in hell. It is impossible. Impossible, I say. Okay, I'll calm down. But here's another problem. Whether it's Calvinism or even Arminianism, it is predicated upon a finite reconciliation of that which is only reconcilable by and in the realm of the infinite. You cannot, this side of heaven, possibly fathom the infinite while in the finite. You cannot reconcile predestination with man's free will to choose this side of heaven. It won't happen. Try as you may. And many very well-intentioned scholars have attempted to do so, but in the finite, you'll always fall short. It's only in the infinite that this issue of reconciling the two will be a non-issue once and for all. And I love that. I love what John says. In heaven, we're going to know no man after the flesh. You know how a lot of us humorously say, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God thus and such. No, you're not. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You've heard the three responses when we get to heaven. The first response is, I'm here. You're going to be like that for the first you know, millennia, just. (laughs) The second response is, they're here? I'll let you think about that one just for a moment. Even now, people are coming to mind as I said it. But here's the third one. Where are they? Listen, we're going to be on our face casting our crowns before Him at the throne, praising Him with all of our might and for all eternity. There's not going to be any questions. Did you imagine? First of all, let's just, for purpose of discussion, let's just imagine a scenario when we get to heaven and there's a dialogue between us and our Calvinist, uh, Calvinist brothers and sisters. Oh, you're here, I see. Huh. Boy, God's a gracious God. <laughs> Told you you were wrong. Oh, yeah? What about you? Okay, I'm just going to ask you straight up. Is that heaven? That's not heaven to me. <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> that sounds like the other place, actually, to me. Nobody's going to be, oh, there's pre-trib Tim. <laughs> there's uh, post-trib Tom. <laughs> None of that. It is a non-issue. Let me say it this way. Hopefully this will help. See predestination as God's destiny 
for me without erasing my responsibility to choose. Let me take it a step further and draw your attention to stunning words from Jesus to the church in Sardis, recorded in Revelation 3, verse 5. I think you'll see why here in a moment. Listen to what he says in the letter to the church in Sardis. He says this, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and, listen, I will not blot out, hang on to that, blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Did you catch that? Uh, the implication is, is that in order for a name to be blotted out, it has to have been there in the first place. I know, again, that's a firm grasp of the obvious, but stay with me, right? Uh, what do we know to be true? It's not God's will that any should perish. God did not create hell for man. God created hell for Satan and his demons. Never his will that any man should go there. And certainly God would never predestine that any man go to hell. As one aptly said it, Jesus hung on that cross as if to say, over my dead and resurrected body will you go to hell. And that's literal. And here's why I say that. And this is why it's so stunning. Everyone's name is already written in the book of life. That's God's will, that all should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he writes every name of every man, woman, and child ever born from Adam to the end in the book of life. It's a pretty big book. Now, what he says is, the jury's out. I already know what the decision is going to be, because I know the end from the beginning. But the jury's out on, while you're alive, and this brings up another question I want to quickly answer in just a moment, concerning uh, after you die, do you get a second chance? Answer in a word, no. It is appointed on the man once to die, then the judgment. You either go to the great white throne judgment, or you go to the Bema seat, which is like the Olympics judgment seat, where the judges reward you. I'm not the sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer, but I think I want to go to that one, the Bema seat judgment of Christ, and not the great white throne judgment where I'm punished eternally. I'd rather be rewarded eternally. But see, when I, of my own volition my own free will, choose to reject Jesus Christ, that's when my name is blotted out. But until and unless that happens, my name is still in there. That's consistent with the nature of a loving God. God will never predestine anybody to hell. Man chooses. Man chooses. The choice is ours. That's Romans 3, 5. I want to close this way with actually Romans 8, 28 through 30. <laughs> we all know Romans 8, 28. But it's verse 29 particularly that I think fills in all the blanks and connects all the dots. But I want to say this. God has predestined us and chosen to bless us 
because he loves us and he even likes us too. Now listen through and view from that lens this famous passage here in Romans 8. Listen. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Okay? What's his purpose? For whom he foreknew, because he knows the end from the beginning, he also predestined, because he knows the end from the beginning, to, here's the purpose, conform to the image of his son. Stop right there. That's the purpose. To which God works all things together for the good. Because ultimately, in the end, it fulfills and serves and is according to his purpose. What's his purpose? His purpose is to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Simply put, to make us more like Jesus. All those trials in your life, all the difficulties in your life, all of the hardships, in your life, all the problems in your life, God is using those to make you more like Jesus. Why? Because that is his ultimate purpose in allowing you to go through that difficulty that you're going through in your life. And that's how he works it out for the good so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then listen to verse 30, lastly. Moreover, and here's the word again, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Here's the bottom line with all the trials and difficulties and hardships and problems in your life, serving a purpose, well, so too on the other side of that, do all the blessings in your life. Let's take those blessings, both here and now and that which awaits. All of those blessings in your life serve a purpose as well. And that's the why behind the what, if I can say it that way. Leave with this one takeaway. God likes you. God is not mad at you. And God has chosen to bless you with unspeakable blessings, both here and also in eternity. Thanks for being part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We hope you've learned something new from the book of Ephesians and that it's given a new perspective to you on your relationship with Jesus. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week, so be sure to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com today. Follow the link to our Facebook page where you can join the conversation and fill your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area. Wield services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. Or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com as well as more information about who we are as a body of believers. 
If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Now, we also want to let you know that you can still hear Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Simply click Listen on the top of the page to find these messages by Pastor J.D. in various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. This weekly update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. Join Pastor J.D. each Friday and Saturday for the Mideast Prophecy Update on our YouTube channel or download our mobile app to have these updates right at your fingertips. Find it all at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Pastor J.D. will have much more to share next time on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me to